AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And my name is Julie Soulpatch Douglas. Soulpatch Douglas? Yeah, I'm wearing my Soulpatch today. Oh yeah, right there on the the chin? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I've I've often wondered about the the naming of the Soulpatch. Is it... Is it tied into anything? Like, there are no chakras that line up with the chin. Uh, Like, why is that like an energy point where uh, the growth of a little facial hair would somehow protect the soul, patch the soul, keep the soul in the body? Yeah, what does it mean when you shave it off, too? Are you soulless? Hmm. We're already getting into that. That, uh, that, that, that ever-present issue of, uh, of the soul, the human soul. And we've, we've talked about this before, um, in the past, uh, this, this idea of, uh, of some immortal slice of ourselves dates back to, to ancient times. Ancient religions used of, use of an astral body. This idea that you have your physical body, but then there's also some, there's an imma- Im- immaterial, immortal you as well. And then you can take that all the way up into the 20th century. Um, uh, where most uh, philosophers are are toying with this idea of a person's as souls, and and human beings are made up of two substances, soul and body, soma and sark. 
Yeah, I wanted to point out that the ancient Hebrew word for soul is nepesh, meaning life or mm-hmm. vital breath. The Greek word for soul is psyche or mind, which I think gives another flavor of this idea of soul. And the Roman Latin word for soul is anima or spirit or breath. Mm-hmm. So in all of these variations uh, on the word soul, you see how it is multi-layered. And again, this sort of ephemeral quality to it, this sort of like fog that you can't trap into a suitcase feeling. Right. Yeah, and a lot, we're not going to get too deep into this, but I mean, obviously, it has, it, as we're, we're dealing with our ephemeral lives and the ephemeral lives of everyone else around us, like, it's, it's, it's very tempting to, to fall into that line of thinking and to, or even, you know, to, to, to embrace that line of thinking where when you look at the dead body of a loved one and there's something, like the spark is gone, the life has gone out of them, to think about that spark being somewhere else. Yeah, I was thinking about that with the law of contagion. We've talked about that before. It's this mm-hmm. magical thinking that things that have once been in contact with each other will continue to act on each other at a distance, uh, even when physical contact has been severed. And in this sense, the soul is is part of that contagion, this idea that the persistence of the individual soul uh, continues after life ends. Yeah, so again, you come down to... You have the physical world and you have this world of the spirit, this world of the unseen, right? Uh, and, and I'm not, and I'm, I'm not like a hardcore skeptic who's going to say, all right, the, you know, only the scientific side of things. Don't, you know, don't even entertain the idea of the unseen. I mean, I, I think the unseen has, it has a place in my life. I, I, I recognize that it has an important place in other people's lives. The inevitable conflict, though, is when you have scientific understanding of the world butting heads with Ideas about the unseen and 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 magical thinking and uh, and at times elaborate uh, metaphysical ideas about what is happening to some immortal uh, part of ourselves. The the problem here is that you cannot prove the soul. You cannot disprove it, and yet it's one of the maybe the largest looming questions that we have as humans because it involves the sort of beginning and ends of things that we've talked about before. We've even tied this back to the Big Bang. We know the Big Bang began. That's when time began. Mm -hmm. What was before it? (laughs) What is after it? So it all sort of circles back into this idea of this culmination of atoms that's organized in our individual bodies. Is there some sort of fate for that that we don't understand or we don't know, or, or they're not. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, skeptic Michael Shermer uh, puts it perfectly uh, over on skeptics.com, excellent website. Uh, he says, I define the soul as the unique pattern of information that represents the essence of a person. By this definition, unless there is some medium to retain the pattern of our personal information after we die, our soul dies with us. Our bodies are made of proteins coded by our DNA so that the disintegration of, of DNA, uh, our protein patterns are lost forever. Our memories and personality are stored in the pattern of neurons firing in our brain. So when those neurons die, it spells the death of our memories and personality, similar to the ravages of stroke and Alzheimer's disease, only final. And this underlying the fact that it's really difficult to try and use science to create a working model of, of, of what a soul would even be. Yeah, the the soul problem is very similar to the immortality problem and the consciousness problem. And I would even say that um, that in some ways, 
consciousness, as we've talked about it, and we do talk about it, is kind of a stand-in for the soul. Mm-hmm. And that maybe in these more modern times, we talk less about the soul and more about consciousness because we have this idea of consciousness about being this awareness and it existing inside of time. And the big question is, can it exist outside of time? And if you say consciousness arises from the electrochemical process of the brain and nothing more then you could take the hard line and say that when the lights go out in the brain, so too does consciousness, so too does this sense of soul. Hmm. Yeah, indeed, uh, harkens back to our episode on reincarnation, uh, where uh, you had scientific explorations of reincarnation, and they referred to it as uh, survival of, of, of consciousness. Now, that doesn't mean that, that some intrepid uh, explorers out there in the world couldn't try to quantify the soul, uh, qualify it even. And there is one person in particular named Duncan McDougall, who was a respected turn-of-the-century surgeon in Massachusetts. And he was occupied with a very particular question, which maybe even started out as a thought experiment, but then became an actual experiment that he tried to do. And according to Mary Roach in her book, Spook, McDougall wrote, quote, it is unthinkable that personality and consciousness can be attributes of that which does not occupy space. And if they occupy space, he reasoned, they must have weight. He says, quote, the, qu- the question arose in my mind, why not weigh a man at the very moment of death? This, he thought, would give you the exact weight of the soul and not just the weight of the soul of like, hey, I wonder how much the soul weighs, but more like. The soul exists. Yeah, yeah. He's going into it with the preconceived notion. There's a soul. Uh, the the open question is, how much does it weigh? Now, this led to McDougall hanging around a consumptive's home around 1901, chatting up the gravely ill tuberculosis patients. And according to McDougall's writings in the Journal of the American Society for Physical Research, obtaining consent from a <laughs> few of them to weigh their bodies at the moment of their death. And side note. Uh, he chose this particular illness, advanced stage, stage of tuberculosis, because, quote, a consumptive dying after a long illness wasting his energies dies with scarcely a movement to disturb the beam. He means <laughs> that the beam that is uh, on the scale. Their bodies are also very light, and we can be forewarned for hours that a consumptive is dying. Because yeah, you need that window in which to act. And he's not a complete crazy person, so he's not going to go around killing people. No, uh, no. I Actually, I thought this was a very logical way to hone in on the, the person who's dying, that you would, the ideal dying person, right, mm-hmm. is going to be quiet about it and easily transported. Indeed. So he, he transports them in. He puts them on the bed, on the scale. And uh, in on April 10th, 1901, uh, he, you could say, treats his first patient. Uh, assisted by two uh, physicians, they watch a man die upon a cot placed upon a customized industrial scale, scale for weighing silk. Yes, and for three and a half hours, they watch his every single movement, his chest going up and down to try to determine the exact moment that he dies so that they can hopefully record a, a uh, lowering of his weight, which would... Uh, give them some sort of clue that the soul had escaped the body. And lo and behold, he dies and the scale lowers to three quarters of an ounce or about 21 grams, 2021. 20, Indeed. Uh, and 
so that's where you've, you've ever heard the uh, you know, 21 grams. It was uh, uh, the name of a film yes. several years ago. And, 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 and in naming the film, that they probably uh, help substantiate this uh, this idea that the soul, soul weighs 21 grams. Yeah, and in fact, uh, right before he published his results in American Medicine, he had a paper that he was um, publishing, the New York Times got wind of this. Mm-hmm. And they pretty much just reported it as fact. Like, hey, by the way, the soul, when it departs, 21 grams. And that kind of cemented this idea in popular culture that this was indeed a thing. Yeah, I mean, despite the fact, as we'll get into, that, that it's not like everyone was like, oh, that sounds great. Yeah, I buy that. No, there were plenty of scientific uh, minds out there uh, criticized this uh, after it came out. But um, McDougall uh, repeated this experiment five times. Um uh, his uh, his findings appeared in American Medicine, 1907, and uh, that's when the well-deserved criticisms began to roll in regarding these experiments and their findings. Findings that were they were crude, uh, varying, and unreplicated in subsequent experiments. And naturally, that's a major red flag about any experiment out there. If 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 no one else can follow your steps and come to the same result. Now, Mary Roach in her book Spook says there are two ways of looking at. McDougall's findings. One is that he was pretty much like a, a, a nutter. That's, that's actually the <laughs> word she uses for him. Um, and the other is that his experiment protocols were weak sauce, essentially lacking rigor and uniformity. And we'll talk more about that. So it, the nutter question is interesting. Why, why might he have been a nutter? Well, he wrote his thesis on the law of similars. This idea that like cures like, and this is a homeopathic approach to medicine. Now, back in his day, homeopathy was not something that was fringe. Um, McDougall was just kind of following the lead at the time. So it may not be that he was so much a nutter, but maybe just trying to rack up some accolades and some status where he could. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting. Uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Now, as pointed out by uh, McDougal's contemporary critics, um, and, and this may have come to uh, the mind of, of people listening as well, um, there are other things that leave the body over the course of death, um, such as a feces and urine. And uh, and so this was a one instant critic, a criticism where people say, well, the body died, uh, urine and feces came out, maybe that had something to do with the loss. Uh, McDougal was quick to insist that the bed on the scales would have caught all of this so it wouldn't be an issue. But still, there's something called insensible loss. This is body weight uh, that is continually lost through evaporating perspiration, uh, through water vapor in your breath, uh, just throughout no, a normal day. And daily loss really can't be measured, but we're probably talking like uh, between 40 and 600 um, uh, milliliters in an adult under normal circumstances. And, and certainly death is not a normal circumstance. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have that criticism uh, going on about what the loss actually consists of. And then you have the criticism, again, of the scientific rigors or the lack of them. So let's consider that first um, six dying patients is not a large enough sample size, just yeah. at the outset. Like this is not, a, you know, something that draw a bunch of conclusions upon. Second, the time of death is a really tricky thing. Even now, mm-hmm. it's a tricky thing. So when you look at McDougall's work, or you're, you have to wonder what he, did he mean by the time of death, are we talking about cellular death, brain death, physical death, heart death, legal death? And the fact that at that time, they didn't really have all of the technology available to even try to determine any of those. Third, his data in his sample size was all over the place. 
Uh, two of the results had to be excluded because of technical difficulties. For instance, when it came to patient number four, McDougal wrote, quote, our scales were not finally adjusted and there was a good deal of interference by people opposed to our work. And he doesn't say, like, what What do you mean? What people? <laughs> what kind of interference? I mean, I can't help but picture people with pitchforks, like out of Frankenstein yeah, in the castle. Yeah, right. right? Um, and then one patient's death did show a drop in weight of about three-eighths of an ounce, but this later reversed itself. Two of the other patients registered an immediate loss of weight at the moment of death, but then their weight dropped again a few minutes later. So that that led uh, some people to say, well, did that person die twice? <laughs> um, and only one of the six patients showed a sudden and non-reversible loss of weight of three-fourths of an ounce, of course, our 21 grams. So that's one. Yeah. And as you had said, in follow-up studies, this could not be replicated. Right. Now file this under the uh you know the realization that McDougal again is is probably not a complete crazy person. Uh, like he he knew that he lacked concrete findings. He didn't say case closed, here's the soul. Uh he wanted to do more, uh including placing an electric chair on the scale so as to measure the soul loss of an executed prisoner. But uh, there was already objection from, from local uh, officials. Uh, so definitely there was opposition to the, the prospect of executing people uh, in his lab. So he didn't get to experiment on people anymore after these initial uh, experiments. Now, he did turn to dogs. Uh, he experimented on 15, which he killed himself, uh, and he saw no weight change. Uh, but he had an explanation for that. Maybe dogs just don't have souls, <laughs> which... Um, kind of underlines, again, the problem of taking the seen world of science and using it to investigate the unseen, that uh, where so much of it is just based on on uh, you know, these these different metaphysical ideas of uh, and, and these different constructs of how it's supposed to work. Um, does a dog have a soul, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, you have to say, it's, it's, it's his, uh, this is not for a lack of trying. I mean, he... Yeah. Once he cannot have access to humans, he's going to dogs. He's also inviting other people to try to replicate his results, to try to do these experiments. But, of course, and the medical community isn't exactly embracing this. Luckily, uh, 10 years later, Los Angeles Polytechnic High School physics teacher H. Lav Twining self-published a book called The Physical Theory of the Soul, in which he decided to jump into this and, you know, follow in the footsteps, the scientific footsteps of McDougal. Um he didn't work on any people, but he did kill 30 mice, uh, which he was convinced must surely have souls, which is, uh, again, it's an interesting, uh, colorful uh, deviation from from uh, McDougal himself. He said, oh, the, 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 the dogs probably don't have souls. That's why they didn't register. But he's going into this saying, yes, mice have souls, and therefore they're a perfect thing to experiment on. In his soul-weighing experiments, using varying uh, and at times creative ex- uh, methods of execution, resulted mostly with no loss, uh, no possible weight loss that you could attribute to a soul. The only one, save in the case of uh, cyanide poison mice, uh, which he uh, c- conducted, may have lost weight via frantic uh, death throw uh, perspiration. Uh, so he drowned some mice after that in a sealed container and recorded no weight change. So this is probably our, our best example of someone following up his work, albeit mm-hmm. with mice, and, uh, and recording his results. Yeah, that is actually pretty rigorous testing and experimenting in comparison to the next person who takes on McDougal's legacy. And his name is Gilbert Carpenter. And in 1998, he publishes the online book 
physically wing the soul. Now, he does not conduct any experiments himself, but he does a lot of tinkering with numbers. <laughs> and he thinks about this deeply. And his idea was that the souls of the dogs and mice were so light that they just wouldn't register on the scale. That's why this this is failing. And according to Mary Roach and Spook, uh, quote, using McDougall's findings that the soul weighs about 20 grams, Carpenter calculated the ratio of soul weight to body weight at birth, 1 to 40. He then applied this to typical puppy birth weight and from there deduced that the average dog soul weighs one gram, which it turns out is less than the sensitivity of the scale McDougall Uh used to weigh the dead dogs. Aye, that's the rub, right? Because McDougall's scale was, according to McDougall, accurate to one sixteenth of an ounce or 1.8 grams. Therefore, dog soul too light. Now, that seems like a convenient loophole. Yeah, it does. Uh, I wanted to mention that other features of a carpenter's book is that he calculates the volume of the human soul. And this volume he uses as a metric, dubbing it the Mac after okay. McDougall. Mm-hmm. He puts forth the idea that one way to weigh the soul would be to weigh a pregnant woman at the moment that the Mac entered the fetus around 43 days <laughs> when the brain waves are first detected, he says. Um, and if you have a haint, he even goes into this. This is so great. Mary Rich goes into this in, in her book, Spook, um, that he suggests that the best way to get rid of a ghost is to invite a pregnant woman over <laughs> around that 42, 43 day period and then use her as a portal to store the ghost away. Oh, well, that, that makes that makes perfect sense. It gets worse from there. There's yeah. there's talk about leprechauns too. Yeah, something about the like the human soul would take up the space of a leprechaun because you want to start throwing yeah. leprechaun into your study just to make yourself know, make it seem like you know what you're talking about. Yeah, and then there's some calculations about Jesus' soul, which was I don't know 524 ounces. Uh, and it, it, what I like about it is that he did do some reverse engineering with mathematics to try to get at the heart of this. But unfortunately, this is where McDougall's legacy leaves off. Yes, indeed it does. Um, but you know, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we're going to look at uh, some, uh, some more modern, uh, cosmic, uh, uh, and, and physics-based ideas about what, what this, where this soul might be and, and indeed how you might try and measure it in some way. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed a hundred thousand miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices... Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. All right, we're back. And I bet you, just bet you, that quantum physics is going to get wrapped up in all this little wing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, quantum physics is kind of a... It's a handy place at times to sort of store these unknowns, right? Because it's kind of a, it's kind of a wild frontier in many respects. Um, in Mary Roach's book, Spook, she does talk to an individual by the name of Gary Nahum. Um, he's a Duke University Medical School professor. Uh, and he has done a, a fair amount of thinking on this. Now, he's, he's, he's done a bit of writing on... Um, Oh, on, 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 the, on predicting the future uh, via science uh, and to, to what extent we can do it. And he's also done a lot of, 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 uh, of thinking and writing on consciousness. So he proposes that one interesting uh, way to potentially uh, measure or at least hunt for the weight of the soul, if you will, is to use a hermetically sealed box atop hypersensitive scales. All right, so far that, okay. that pretty much lines up with some earlier notions we were discussing. But then he adds this. You also surround uh, the box and the scales with various radiant energy detectors. Why? Well, because information, right? Uh, because in Shermer's words that we mentioned earlier, we're talking about this unique pattern of information that represents the essence of a person. And that information is energy. There's always a weight loss with energy loss. And if the energy changes, then the mass must change in some uh, uh, minute, uh, barely discernible way. So uh, Nam's idea here is that if more mass uh, dissipates than can be accounted for due to energy change, then perhaps, perhaps that extra energy would be consciousness leaving the body. And since energy can either be created or destroyed, it has to go somewhere, right? Um, now, that somewhere uh, is, is kind of trippy uh, because uh, uh, in, in, uh, according to some of Nam's uh, 
uh, theories and, and, ide- and ideas here. He postulates that based on the increase of black hole entropy in the region of event horizons, that similarly the negative entropy or post-death ordered transformed consciousness may go through a type of extra-dimensional parallel universe hyperspace in the regions of the Planck length where the energy of the departed consciousness goes into small types of singularities embedded within our own four-dimensional space-time world. In 2005, he attempted to raise some money for experimentation, but nothing came to fruition. Uh, but again, he's, he's written about this, and uh, it's at the very least, it's some, some very interesting uh, thought experimentation in terms of, again, taking on that difficult task mm-hmm. of trying to make create a working model of how a soul and survival of the soul might work in our scientific world. But how do you suss out the electrochemical um, changes in the brain that are part of death and part of consciousness and then just part of the rest of your body, uh, you know, falling apart atomically? I mean, well, it- not falling apart, but... You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like this is where it gets. Ah! Yeah, at this point, you just you just want to call the Ghostbusters, um, proton packs. You know. So this makes me think about Richard Feynman, who gave this talk about scientific rigor and about really trying to make sure that your processes were correct. And he talks about uh, this experiment with rats in 1937, and it says it's a little known experiment, but this guy Paul Thomas Young had this long corridor with um, doors on one side that the rats came in and doors um, on the other side of those doors, there was food. And he wanted to see if he could train the rats to go in at the third down, third door down from wherever they had started from. And this corridor, all of this was uniformly constructed, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that the rats would keep going to the door where the food was previously. And this was driving him nuts. And he tried to figure out different things he could do. He painted the doors really carefully, arranging the textures on the faces of the doors exactly the same. But still, the rats would go to the previous door where the food had been. And then he thought maybe the rats were smelling the food, so he changed the the smell of the, the, the food with chemicals. And then the rats could still tell. And eventually, he figured out that the rats could discern the previous door by the way the floor sounded when they ran over it. And so I bring this up because the the story about this is that you have to discover all the things about something before you can discover what it is you're specifically going in to try to discover about the rats, right? right? Like you have to discover everything you can about this process before you can actually get the results you want. And this is a kind of scientific rigor that, you know, hopefully everybody is bringing to the table when they're conducting experiments. And it makes it, this is something concrete, rats, a maze. And now you're talking about something extremely abstract with souls and then trying to apply science to that. And then, again, this is where it all falls apart. And Adam Frank who is a theoretical computational astrophysicist, he says, quote, for myself, I remain fully and firmly agnostic on the question of an afterlife and a soul. If ever there was a place where firm convictions seemed misplaced, this is it. There simply is no controlled, experimental, verifiable information to support either you rot versus you go on positions. 
You know, I, I think I've made this analogy before, but when I when it comes to uh, you know science and uh, religion or faith or metaphysics bumping heads, I often think of it in terms of someone who has a pet uh, python and a pet rat. Like they they are both fine pets to have. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know, and you can you can gain a lot from that relationship with that uh, that that rat, a lot from that relationship with that uh, that snake. But it would be foolhardy to keep them in the same case. Like it's, they cannot live in the same enclosure without uh, the inevitable occurring. And uh, and I often feel like that with uh, with these matters. Like I I have my pet rat and I have my pet snake, but I, I know that there are compatibility issues between the two. You know, we I remember this keynote speech we gave, and it was in Minneapolis, and uh, we were doing it at a conference, and we were talking about how science is not apart from us. And one of the points we were making is that science is storytelling. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you break it down to just, like, here it is trying to be as pragmatic and objective and empirical as possible about your reality. And yet, on the other side of all of those particulars is a story that comes out of it. And so I think that we are completely compelled. We can't help ourselves to try to put a story even in scientific terms, to the to things that maybe we don't really have the understanding or the the correct language to depict. Right. And that's where trying to wo- uh, weigh a soul comes in and becomes like this problematic, really messy problem that we get into. Indeed. All right. So there you have it. The weight of the soul. Uh, what happens when uh, science and religion come together and we try to uh, prove the unseen world using the uh, tools of the scene? If you would like to uh, hear more from us, uh, check out all the podcast episodes at StuffToBlowYourMind.com, along with uh, blog posts, videos, links out to our social media accounts, you name it. And if you want to weigh in on the soul matters, well, you can do so by sending us an email to BlowTheMind at HowStuffWorks.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 